So um, Proverbs chapter 9, um, the invitations of wisdom and folly, and this is from the um, NIV. Wisdom has built her house. She has set it up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many and years will be added to your life. Just going to hang around and pray for Karuna before she starts. So, Father God, we just thank you for Karuna. Thank you for the words of wisdom she will be bringing us today. Please help us to grow wiser through her teaching. Lord, let her be inspired to bring fresh things that she didn't even know she was going to say today. Um, but more than that, let us hear the right words for us. Amen. Um, well, hello. It's lovely to see you all today. Um, so I'm going to jump straight in, if that's okay. And if we can have the first slide, please, Colin. Thank you. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we're going to be talking or thinking this morning about what it is to be wise. What does it mean to be wise? And how can we be wise? So when I started thinking about this morning, I thought to myself, I'm going to Google image, as I'm sure we all do description of a wise person. So if you type into Google a wise person, one of the first images that comes up is the next slide, Colin, please. Thank you. And I was going to give you a moment then to have a little think of if I was to ask you what a wise person looked like, you might think of somebody with a beard, no pressure, looking around the room, anybody that has a beard, or you might look at perhaps someone that's a little bit older. Um, interestingly, they were all men that came up. I won't, that's, that's a whole conversation for another day. Um, but... <laughs> But that's what came up as one of the first pictures, along with that quote. And it says, a clever person solves a problem, a wise person avoids it. And it made me start to think about the difference between wisdom and knowledge. And I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people who are really clever, but have no common sense. If you know someone like that, just nod at me now. If you're not nodding, it might be you. I don't know. <laughs> but most people... You get people that are really knowledgeable, they know a lot of things, and yet sometimes wisdom can be a little bit lacking in those situations. And actually wisdom and knowledge are two very different things. And this morning we're really thinking about wisdom. We've read in that passage that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I want to be wise, and I'm sure you want to be wise. And I think being knowledgeable is great, but being wise is even more important. As a teacher, I work in a school, and we often think about how you educate for wisdom and for knowledge. We spend a lot of time thinking about knowledge, but actually getting our young people to be wise is often harder. And can you teach someone to be wise? Is that something you can learn? Or is that something you either have or you haven't? That's the question. That's what we're going to try and unpick today. So in a minute, I'm going to invite Alex back, because he's going to do a second reading for me. Thank you, Alex. Um, and, the, and basically, what I'm talking about today is 
how to be wise. And we're going to be thinking about King Solomon because he was somebody who is very involved in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs, as I'm sure you know from Restore and all the rest of it. Um, And he asked to be wise. So I'm going to invite Alex back, if that's all right, to do our second reading. Thank you. Hopefully I've got the same translation. Is that one up there? Near enough. Um, So this is 1 Kings chapter 3. So um, Solomon asks for wisdom. So Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David and until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because a temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant here is among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me, and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke, and he realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. Thank you so much. I thought it was worth reading the whole story, because I think it's quite a powerful story about when you can ask for anything, what do you ask for? And when I read it, I was really challenged by it because I thought, if you could ask for anything, you know, often you say to people, if you could have three wishes, what would you wish for? I'm not sure wisdom is the first thing that a lot of people would ask for. And I thought a lot about it, really, in terms of Solomon and what he asked for and why he might have asked for wisdom. And I guess it's because as a, he knew that he was going to lead this big nation. He was following in the footsteps of King David. And that probably felt quite scary and quite um, nerve-wracking and quite, um, made him quite anxious, really, because being a leader is quite difficult. And actually, wisdom and leadership go hand in hand. If you, want, if you want to be a good leader, if you want to be a good influencer, you need to be wise, and having both of those things are quite important. And there's a very famous story that we're not going to talk about today where Solomon demonstrated that wisdom. 
So my question to you, my question to myself this morning is, do I want to be wise? And how can I be wise? And if the answer is through the fear of the Lord, what does that mean? But before we do that, I just want to say something to all of you, which I think is quite powerful, because Solomon was a leader, and that is why he asked for wisdom. And if we can have the next slide, please. We know that there are a lot of leaders in our world today, and you can see a variety of leaders on the screen over there. And I tried to pick lots of different ones, because if you look at that screen, they were all leaders, or are leaders, for a variety of different reasons, and I'm going to pick three. They're either leaders because of personal ambition or career. They wanted to be a leader. They decided they wanted to run for president or, or whatever that may be. And they thought, that's what I want to do. Or they became a leader because um, of expectation. You know, you're, that you're born into a family and that's going to mean that you have to lead one day. Or in some cases, it was a calling or a vocation. And in many cases, perhaps a little bit of all three. And what I would say to you and to me and to every single one of us in this room is that we are all leaders. We're all leaders in different fields. Some of us are leaders because of career, because of our jobs and where that we've been placed in the world. We're in charge of people every day and that's our job and that's what we do. Other people in this room are leaders because of perhaps expectation, because of our role in our family. You know, if you're a parent or if you're a sibling, you at certain times have got to demonstrate leadership, whatever that looks like in your family situation. You might also be a leader because of... um, because of calling and vocation. You might be someone that says, actually, do you know what? I feel called and I feel that I need to lead and influence in this particular way. And I don't think there's anybody in this room that wouldn't fit into any one of those three boxes, that we are all leaders, we're all influencers in different ways. I think that's quite powerful because that means that we all need to be wise. We all need to start asking God for wisdom and asking, actually, how do I be wise? We'll all be in situations, whether that is at work or at home, or on the street where we live, where we need to make wise decisions. And how do we do that? Well, I would say it's through the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And actually, that can be quite challenging, and we're going to think about what that means in a moment. And just before I move on, I just want to take a moment just to to make us all not get depressed by the thought that we're all leaders, because you might be now thinking, oh my gosh, that's quite scary. You know, I've got to do a lot. That's quite a big thing. Because I think... It is quite a big thing, but actually, it's a really powerful thing. You know, there's a, there's two great, great quotes, and it depends on your literary uh, brains about which one you prefer. There's a Shakespeare quote which says, I think it's heavy the head that wears the crown, or uneasy the head that wears the crown. But there's also a Spider-Man quote, which I prefer, which says, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think that's true, isn't it? We all have that power within us. We all have that responsibility and that need to influence, but we need wisdom, and we need that wisdom to come from God in order to do that right and to do that well. So wisdom is really important. So if I can have the next slide, please. So we're going to be thinking about how we can demonstrate and how we can grow and become wise through these three words, worship, relationship, and anointing. And we're going to be thinking about what that means in terms of the fear of the Lord being how we begin to become wise. How do we begin to become wise? And I really hope that by the end of this morning, you'll have practical things, some do-it-now things that you can start to think about this week or even today that will help you to be wise this week. So even while I'm talking, start thinking about what's coming up for you this week, who you're going to speak to, how that's going to work, and actually let God speak to you about how you can be wise in those situations this week, which might be at work, it could be in your family, it could be with your children, it could be on your street. It could be that you've got a hospital appointment. I don't know. It could be anything. But actually, how are you going to be wise in those situations? So next slide, please. 
Right, so we're going to start off by thinking about worship. And you'll all have seen that picture over the last few weeks, okay? Quite a big event happened a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if any of you saw it or missed it. You may have chosen to watch all of it or completely avoid it. I don't know where you sit politically. But this is the crown that King Charles put on his, was placed on his head as part of his coronation. And we're going to be thinking about those three words in terms of a coronation, okay? So by the end of this, I want you to feel like you have been to your own coronation and you can leave here today knowing how you can be wise in your um, place of influence. And this is the crown that was put on King Charles's head. And if you look into why kings and queens wear crowns, one of the obvious reasons is beauty and um, elegance and decorum and all the rest of it. But when I did a little bit of research into this crown, let me know how heavy this crown is. Somebody in this room should know this. Fun, fun fact. Pardon? Yeah, 2.23 kilograms, in fact. There you go. That is pretty heavy, right? If this was a family service, I would now get a child up and get them to put five bags of sugar on their head and see what happened. But I'm not going to do that today. That's pretty heavy, right? I don't know about you, but I don't think I'd want to wear that on my head. That is pretty heavy. And it made me think, going back to the quote, heavy is the head that wears a crown, that when you put, if you were to put something like that on your head, it would change the way you walked. It would change the way you moved. You'd move a lot slower. You'd stand very differently. You'd have a very different perspective on everything that's happening around you. And the second thing I think about when I think about a crown is it's something on top of you. It's something above your head. And actually, when I think about that, what I often think about is actually what that speaks to me of is worship and actually putting God above everything that we do. That even even the king has to come underneath the weight of this crown. All of us here as leaders in our world, wherever that may be, we have to come under the leadership of God. We have to come under the the perspective that God gives us. And that is really, really important. That is something that we have to carry with us everywhere we go if we want to be wise. Because through that will come wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And actually worshipping God and putting God first will change the way that we stand, will change the way that we walk will change the way that we move because we'll have that awareness of God above us. But those are just words, aren't they, really? We can all start stand here and say, yes, we know we need to worship, and actually that's really important. But will we do that tomorrow when we're at work? Will we do that tomorrow when we're at home with our children? Will we do that tomorrow when we're, in our, we're doing whatever you've got planned for this week? And like I said, think about what's happening for you this week. Will you take God with you to that situation? You know, you often hear, take your child to work day. Will you take God to work with you tomorrow? Will he be there when you're in that situation at work? I have a story of that, which happened to me a while ago now. So the head teacher at my school is a Christian, and he often plays very loud music out of his office. Sometimes jazz, sometimes worship, depends what mood he's in. Um, and um, and I, had, I had a meeting with him, and I was dancing, and I, got, I was late for the meeting because a parent had come in, and it was a long, I won't go through the story. This parent was very angry and very upset. And I was late for this meeting, and I arrived at the meeting quite flustered, actually. And I sat down, I said, I'm really sorry I'm late. I've been in this meeting. And the music was still playing. And I can't remember what song it was, and it wasn't a song that I knew, but it was a worship song. But you could pick any worship song, really. But the lyrics of the song just said something along the lines of, trust God in every situation. He's with you in every situation. It doesn't matter what's about to happen. And you could do that with the songs that we've sung today, you know, strength like no other. You know, do we actually feel like that when we're at work or in whatever situation we're facing? We've got a hospital appointment that might be a bit scary. Strength like no other. Do we take God with us into those situations? And to me, that's what the crown symbolizes. It symbolizes taking God with me into every situation. I'm going to wear that crown. It's going to change the way that I think. It's going to change the way that I move. 
because I'm taking God with me into that situation. I'm allowing God to change my perspective of the situation through worship. So the first thing, if you want to be wise this week, do it now, take God to work with you. If that means thinking and singing songs while you're at work, if that means taking a moment in your day just to bring God into the situation, if that means whatever it is you're facing, just saying, actually, God is here with me, if that means verbalizing it and saying it to somebody, I'm just going to pray about this right now. Do that this week. That's a do it now for this week. Let's take God into our workplace. Next slide, please. Thank you. So the next picture is a picture of a ring. Now, this ring, again, if you watch the coronation, the ring was placed on King Charles's finger. And I think rings symbolize a relationship with God. They symbolize having a relationship. Now, I don't know about you, but relationships are not easy. They're actually really hard work. If, you're, if you've got a perfect relationship and you've never had a row, then come and see me afterwards. Sorry, my husband just sat here. Um, but... <laughs> But relationships are really hard work. After that first date, when everything's lovely, the reality of a relationship is you have to work at them. Because if you don't work at them, it gets difficult and it can get very complicated. So relationships are really difficult. They need to be cultivated. They have to be based on honesty. They have to be based on that feeling of interdependence, that feeling of that it's not just about me. They have to be based on the fact that we will. I do get things wrong. I'm not perfect. That's what a relationship is based on. And just as King Charles had the ring put on his finger, I think what that symbolizes for us, really, in terms of fearing God so that we can be wise, is about the fact that we need to be real with God. Relationships are not easy. And our relationship with God, sometimes I think we can be a bit false in our relationship with God. You know, we can pray prayers that we think what people want to hear us pray. But actually, the realest prayers and the rawest prayers are sometimes prayers that come from a place of desperation and a place of actual real doubt, for want of a better word. Sometimes it can be really hard. And actually, God doesn't mind that. God doesn't mind if we're real, because relationship is real. Relationship is raw. It's not always perfect. I think sometimes we come to church on Sunday and we feel we've got to be a good Christian, whatever a good Christian is. I've used that phrase many times. That person's a good Christian. They're not a bad Christian is, but maybe we all are. I don't know. Um, But it's important to think about the fact that that's not how God sees us. He doesn't look at you and go, you're a good Christian. He just sees you as who you are. He sees me as who I am. And I'm not perfect. You know, we all get things wrong, but he loves us anyway. And that is what relationship is. And I think the second way to be wise in terms of the fear of the Lord is to make sure our relationship with God is honest and is just full of willingness to say, you know what, it's not, I'm not always going to get it right. I am going to find it hard. A friend of mine once said to me, he, he was a minister of a church and he, he, he felt called to go to work in another country and it hadn't worked out and he'd come back and he was not in a good place and he said to me, I'm just reading the Psalms. That's all I'm doing. And it's really challenging when you read the Psalms, the prayers in the Psalms are not wonderful. A lot of them, and if we've run out, we haven't got time, but if I had time, I would read a Psalm to you now. They're just very honest. Sometimes they're like, why God? Why is this happening to me? You know, they're prayers that are very real and very honest and I don't know how often we would Be that honest with God. So my second do it now this week is be honest with God about how you're really feeling at the moment. Don't pretend because he knows anyway. Be honest. If you're struggling with your faith, that's okay. Just be honest with him and tell him that you're struggling with your faith. If something is really bothering you, don't understand why it's happened. Be honest and talk to God and just say, this is the situation that I'm in at the moment. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I think fearing God means having that relationship and saying, you know what? It's okay. 
It's okay. He knows and he understands. Um, and the last one is all about anointing. And I've struggled with this one a little bit, if I'm honest, because this is the last one. And I, didn't, I wasn't sure whether to use the word anointing or to use the word obedience, really, because I think they kind of go hand in hand. And actually, with this one, what I really wanted to say was that in the king's coronation, he was anointed with this, actually. This, this was used, this special anointing spoon and some um, oil, which was um, been blessed somewhere and blah, blah. Um, but basically, he was anointed on his head, his chest, and his hands. And this is the last bit I really want to share with you about the fear of the Lord, because I think as leaders in our world, in our, wherever we have our influence, we can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it without that anointing, because that is where the difference happens. That is where we can see right from wrong, because actually wisdom comes from God. It's not our own wisdom. You know, you can Google wisdom quotes all day long and you'll go, yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. That's really interesting. But actually, in the moment when you need to be wise, sometimes it just comes to you. And I bet there'll be people in this room who could tell stories where they've been in a situation and the right words have just come at the right time. And you may or may not have realized it, but that was the Holy Spirit guiding you at that point and telling you what to say and what to do because of that anointing. So the third way that we need to be wise so that we can go out and make a big difference in our own world is to allow God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Because if he does that, then we won't just head to chest and hands, then we will think the way that he wants us to. We will feel the way that he wants us to and we'll act in the way that he wants us to. And I think that's really, really important. Sometimes that might involve a lot of courage. It might mean going against the grain and doing things a bit differently. But actually, that's really, really important. Sometimes it might, you might not realise you've done it until afterwards, and then you might say, oh gosh, that was God. That was God that was making that, that happen. But at the time, you may not realise it, and that's okay too. I'm not saying we should all walk out of here with this ready break glow of holiness that we wander around with and just kind of go and bless people. Sometimes it will just be in the simplest, normalist things in your day. But actually, that's when the Holy Spirit can really work through us. I have a story about that, which I'll share very quickly because of time. And... When I first started teaching many, many, well, quite a few years ago, um, I remember being in a classroom and um, I'd, talk, I'd been teaching for about three weeks. I was very new. And it was the end of the lesson. I was tidying up the mess that the children had left, being cross with myself because I should have got the kids to tidy up that mess and I hadn't. Iron's nodding at this point saying, you should have got the kids to tidy up that mess, you're right. And I hadn't. I was clearing up all this paper. And I was clearing up all this paper, walking around the room. And I, went, I, went, I walked past my recycling bin. And every classroom had one. It's about this big. And it's full of paper, full of paper that's, been, that's going to go into the recycling. And as I went over to put all this paper into the recycling bin, I saw some paper in the recycling bin. Nothing that exciting about some paper. But it was a scrunched up bit of paper in the recycling bin. And it's something, and I think it was the Holy Spirit, made me take that piece of paper out of the recycling bin and open it up. Even though there was loads of paper in there already. But I just took it out and I opened it up. And it was two sides of A4, written top to bottom, and without going into lots of detail, it was a safeguarding disclosure. It was this, a, a girl in my class had written that something really awful was happening to her at home. And it was really bad. I won't go into all the details now, but it was really awful. And I read it both sides. And that girl had literally just walked out of my lesson. Literally just walked out. And I thought, gosh. So I did the right thing. I'd been on the training. And I went and handed it over to our safeguarding lead. And by the end of that day, the girl had been taken into care, into foster care. A year later, there was a big court case. And um, in preparation for that, um, I was interviewed by the police and the police came into school to interview me and they said, 
and I sat in this room, and I'll never forget, and the police officer read out my statement, and he said, so you went into a bin? And I said, yeah, yeah, I did. And he said, is that something you do often? <laughs> and I was like, no, not really. And he said, so why did you go in the bin? And I said, I, I, I don't know. And he said, I'm only asking you, because if this goes to court and you're questioned, you'll be asked. And I said, I don't know, I just did. And I think, looking back, I think that was the Holy Spirit. It was that moment of actually doing the right thing. When it did go to court, um, there was a whole thing, and I didn't have to go to court, thankfully. There was a whole newspaper spread in the Evening Post the following week about this man who'd done some horrendous things to lots of children. Um, And as you'd read the article, it said, and it all came to light when a teacher found a scrunched up piece of paper in the bin. And I just think that's quite powerful, really, as a story, because I think sometimes we do things and we don't realise that actually it's God, it's God that works through us. And I'm sure I'm not the only person that's done something, and you may not know the impact that you've had. So in terms of anointing, what I want to leave with you is that actually just listen to what God is saying. Allow him to fill you so that you can go out and act, sometimes with courage, and sometimes it will be just the most normal thing in your day. It might be something really simple that you do. So to finish, thank you, next slide, which I think is the last one. We're all leaders. Please see today as your coronation. Forget the king's coronation, this is your coronation. Wear your crown. Think about that crown this week when you go to work. Put God first. Take God to work with you. Wear that ring. Build that relationship. Be honest with God this week. Tell him how you're really feeling. You will not shock him. You will not shock him by what you say because he knows anyway. Sometimes you think, I can't say that. I can't say that to God. You can because he knows anyway because he can see your thoughts. And lastly, be anointed. Allow yourself to be filled. Use some time now while we're having communion to allow God to fill you so that you can be sent out into this week ready for whatever comes your way, ready to answer, ready to demonstrate God's wisdom. So if you want to be wise, if you want some wisdom today, I can't give you wisdom. You can read books about wisdom, but God will give you that wisdom if you put him first, if you be honest with him, And if you let him fill you from head to toe.